Most people listen to podcasts to learn something, to be entertained and to walk away feeling inspired, perhaps even educated a bit. Hello, I'm Devo and I'm one of the two hosts of our show, The Little Impolite Podcast. Welcome and thanks for listening. This show is for the expansive, open-minded, creative, whose persistent curiosity towards integrating new information in their lives never stops. Think of it as the free thinkers toolkit for anyone that refuses to enroll in the conformity of all of those around them, instead forging their own paths with fortitude and love. It's that slightly unapologetic conversation with that new friend you just met that sort of wistfully and effortlessly pushes the conversation into spaces that you never expected. It's the deep-hearted conversations with purposeful and thoughtful individuals that have finally figured out their superpowers and are now pouring into it with gusto and love. We're delighted to host these conversations with you that lead us down the conversation well. But watch your step, because most of our guests, and of course, Lisa and I, are a little impolite. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Little Impolite Podcast. I'm Devo. And I'm Lisa Staff. And on today's show, we have Bijou Finney, the Mushroom Mamacita. And we're excited to have this conversation with her around a variety of things. But before that, we want to talk a little bit about some of the things we have going on. Mm-hmm. If you're new to the podcast, welcome and thank you for coming. Devo and I met about five years ago and about two years ago, we started this podcast. And originally, the podcast was sort of centered around mind-body business modalities. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we found is we were getting a little too businessy. And we wanted to have more conversationally. So we rebranded to The Little Impolite, if you hadn't noticed by now. And sort of same centerpiece in terms of getting really cool people that are doing really cool, fantastic things on the planet on the show. Talk about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what sort of legacy they're leaving. Mm -hmm. And sharing that with our audience. And I think if you're a a connector in this world, if you really enjoy conversations, if you're interested in other people's point of views, what they're doing in the world, and you're interested in just developing yourself a little bit further, whether it's mind, body, or business, whether it's, you know, scientific, business, spiritual, any of those things, a different point of view, this is a great place for you to listen and um, enjoy a conversation. So... You can find me on Instagram at Fusion Photog. If you're looking for more information, you can find Lisa. At Lisa Staff Photo. And at the end of the show, we have a giveaway that we're going to be um, exchanging for, for, for your email address. Um, so you give us an email address, you get a download. And what that is centered around is how to... Have a healthy relationship with social media. Both Devo and I have this experience, as do most people how stressful social media can be. We have our own businesses. Then we also have a business where we... Do branding, consulting, social media, content creation, all the things that businesses need because they're so stressed out from social media and nobody has time to do it. And what's the right amount of time to show up and how do I show up and what do I need to do? And am I be able to put any time into my business? So all of these things have made us like our cortisol levels raise and us get stressed out about social media. So you put together a really fabulous download, just kind of helping us to, to, digest what we need to do to still get the results what we need to and still be able to concentrate on the other facets of our life and our business. So speaking of cortisol levels and fight or flight and all those sorts of things centered around our neurology, uh, Bijou is going to come on and talk about she does plant-based therapy centered around psilocybins 
um, mushrooms. And she has launched a business for the last few years. She's a former brand designer. Um, she's also a videographer. Mm-hmm. A lot of cinema. Super she, creative. A lot of, yeah, super creative. And But she shifted her business using mushrooms to really kind of find what her true superpower is and what her gift to uh-huh. the planet is. And now she does plant-based therapy for businesses, for entrepreneurs, for women. She holds retreats. She has a new, by the way, in July that we're going to be part of, um, going to her 40-acre ranch up in Virginia, a couple's retreat where she's going to be doing all sorts of cool like moonlight dances to the wolves and all kinds of crazy stuff that I need to talk to you about. So Mm -hmm. um, anyhow. I love how knowledgeable she was on this and she really demystified a lot of the things that I think sometimes you hear certain things and you're like, you have a a different take on it because of what you've heard and you don't have all the actual facts. And she kind of goes through things and the purpose of everything and the science behind everything and how it can fit into somebody's life. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and she's not just one of those quacks that's picked up something and is now selling woo-woo. And I'm not saying that anybody is. No, but a lot of people are now, or they're jumping on a bandwagon and saying they're part of this and everybody's dropping. I'm doing this now, this now, or this now, because that's the the trend. So as I was saying, correct. She's not one of those woo-woos that she just suddenly says, hey, take mushrooms and be enlightened. And you're this hippie living on an acre. She's done, she's actually gone to school, which if, for, for those of you who are not familiar with plant-based therapies and psilocybin, um, there's a massive push across the globe right now, especially in the Western world, where millions of dollars are now being devoted to research around their real effect they can have on for therapy, for schizophrenia, for all sorts of modalities and illnesses. Um, And so she's gone, she went back to school to learn how to administer this stuff and understand the science behind it. And so she's not just coming to you with sort of like, hey, take one of these and call me in the morning sort of thing. It's real science backed data. And she's really been thoroughly investigative over the last few years uh, before she launched this business. And and she's going to come talk to us a little bit about that. So Mm -hmm. it'll be a good conversation. So if you're interested in hearing more about this, please listen to the full podcast because there's so much information that she drops. If you have friends that you've been talking to or they're talking about, hey, I'm interested in this, please share it with them because this will give them all the information that they need from a legitimate, reliable source. And uh, share this with anyone else, your mom, your dad. (laughs) Enjoy the show. We'll see you after. Good morning and welcome to Little Impolite Podcast. I'm Devo and my counterpart on the other side of the coastal line of South Carolina is Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. So this is our second show as the rebrand of of Little Impolite. And I will tell you, I got some really cool feedback from the two people that follow us on our Instagram channel of Little Impolite that said they really liked the rename. But actually, all joking aside, the couple of people um, that I have spoken to from the Mastermind really like the new branding and the new direction it's going. So I'm excited where this is headed. So um, let's see where they So your this. mom, your mom and your auntie. Well, all my aunties, you know how that goes. <laughs> all right. Today we have a cool yeah. guest on. So as sort of like a shift of the, of the focal point of what the podcast is about, we ha- are bringing some really unique guests on to sort of center around kind of the same modality as mind, body, business, business. Um, my, my mic went out for a second. Um, but center around interesting people doing some really interesting things. And so we came across this young lady who's about to join us, Bijou is her name. Um, she is a brand stylist. She's a psychonaut. I had to look up what psychonaut was. Do you know what psychonaut is? No. Words are hard for me. Um, she's a holistic guide. And, and she has a really cool story. She has been sort of all over the planet like you and I, traveled the globe, was involved in a variety of different businesses 
She worked for a video production company, then she was in a branding business, then she left and started her own gig and kind of centered around that content, video, marketing, branding piece, but realized it wasn't her true calling. And then she came across through what she's going to tell you, sort of the mushrooms, the psilocybin speaking to her. And I hope I'm not butchering her story, but she's going to come on and reprimand me if I am. And just sort of guided her down the pathway that she is in now, which is using psychedelics to help other people, which is her true calling, um, find their North Star using psychedelics. And so I thought it'd be fun to have her on the show to not only hear her journey, because it's very interesting, uh, but also better understand what she's doing with psychedelics, specifically psilocybin mushrooms, and how she's using those to help other folks find their North Star. So I thought we'd bring her on and have a quick conversation. I'm really interested in this in so so many reasons, but I think things become trendy and people want to jump on top of things. And I love that she's coming on to talk about how why she does this, the intention behind it, the proper use and the proper um, purpose of everything that she's doing. So that I'm really excited about. Well, that's a bunch of BS because in the green room back behind the scenes, you said you just want to bring around to learn how to use sex and mushrooms to heal oneself. So I don't believe that. But I'm intentional about that as well. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Good morning, Deja. How's it going? Welcome Good. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Tremendous. Excited to have this conversation with you. I see you've trademarked Brand Stylist. How does one trademark a name like that? Um, so I had an issue with a, a business before, um, and it was quite a headache. And so from now on, I will always trademark things that, that I, um, that I utilize just so I don't go down that rabbit hole and really put a lot of time, effort and energy behind something. And then someone come around and say, Oh, that's fine. I trademarked it. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a bit of a process, but um, I was doing that. Uh, I did that whenever I was really coaching people on their brands, personal and professional. And brand stylist really spoke to me, so it's mine now. <laughs> I should probably consider getting my name trademarked because I think I'm the only person I've ever actually just known that just goes straight up by Devo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How else do you recommend that? Oh yeah. And you should definitely own your website. Like I have bijoufun.com and it points to my website. I just, if if people are Googling you, you should really be in control of what's popping up up at the top. (laughs) Have you ever Googled yourself? I have. Yeah. Are you pleased with the outcome of the results? I actually Google myself um, like quarterly or monthly just to see what's coming up. Uh, Just because there's been times when, um, a random photo from an event eight years ago will resurface. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Uh, so yeah, definitely Google yourself. <laughs> I actually have some software that tracks anytime my name gets uh, reported or, or put into the, uh, Google algorithms. Mm-hmm. It sends me a, a note saying, hey, you just showed up such and such. As, and then I, you can do like dispute actions around it and that sort of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. I think it's through my VPN provider is what it's called. Mm. VPN and something or other, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm constantly disappointed when I Google myself. So I'm just putting that out there. The last name Staff is the worst name. It pulls up everybody on staff or everybody's staff oh, pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, aren't you planning on changing that sometime soon? Yeah. 
Do you have a foreseeable just, future? That's that? the only. That's the only reason. <laughs> Rebrand. <laughs> New name. Make sure you get a trademark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, better searchable um, benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump into this conversation with Miss Bishu. So, tell me a little bit about before we jump into what you're doing now. Tell us a little bit about how you got to this point. Take us sort of a. 15,000 altitude snapshot of the last 20 years of your life. Yeah. So um, it's funny, just yesterday, I was preparing for a retreat that we're going to have. And um, I was putting together all these parts. So we're, we're going to have an area where people dress up as their higher selves. And I have like this big closet of stuff when I was a stylist and when I owned a boutique. And then we're going to have an area where they can like take a before and after picture, like before the retreat and then after to see if there's any like empowerment in them or any shift um, in their in their aura. But it was funny that I was like, I keep dabbling in the same things and I'm kind of just reconstructing uh, or repositioning them. And I think um, it's it's a really authentic version of all of that now. So at first, I um, owned through what they were wearing. And so I developed a pretty um, hands-on boutique experience, which was wonderful. But after a while, retail and just like the waste that's associated with um, owning a boutique and, and the fashion industry just really didn't align with me and my core values. So, um, but in that process, I had to create an absurd amount of content, as I'm sure that you guys are aware. Um, just like my demographic and and um, what I was trying to do, like they wanted content all the time. So I got really into content creation. And after a while, I developed um, or created um, a brand studio content creation um, agency with my business partner at the time. And we had that for eight years. And I got really into telling people's stories. But I had to prepare them like that. I had to polish their personal brand. I had to get them ready for camera. I had to make sure that their um, personality was shining through the way that they wanted because I didn't want them to waste a bunch of money and then hate how they came across on camera or uh, their messaging was messed up. And I loved that, but I really ended up turning into a coach. I was like coaching them all the time on, um, I mean... I mean, a variety of things, but um, I really just wanted to do my due diligence and go and actually get trained in the coaching world just so I could do a better job. Um, and I was always trying to coach myself in the background, um, always trying to be a better entrepreneur, understand how high functioning entrepreneurs tick. And that's when I kind of did the documentary. Uh, I wanted to interview high powered businessmen. And that's when I ended up traveling the world doing that documentary. And I loved all of this, but I realized in in that span of time that I felt like entrepreneurs maybe needed to focus on being conscious entrepreneurs. Like, how does my business affect the world around me? How do my choices affect the world around me? Uh, What is the legacy that I'm leaving behind? Um, Am I protecting the environment, the community that's buying from me? Um, So that's when I really started to work on my own consciousness. Um, And that's kind of where psychedelics came in. Um, Let me interrupt you there if you don't mind. mm -hmm. 
before you had, you just said that's where psychedelics came into the picture. Before you, well, my hand looks really big on the camera. Before you did that, had you had any experience with psychedelics prior to that? Um, it was inspirational capacity or how, however, honestly, not, not really. Um, I kind of stepped into psychedelics in more of a conscious way, uh, just because I was very, I mean, I I was extremely religious growing up and I was like, I didn't even really drink that much in college. It wasn't until I was uh, living in Austin and going to a lot of events that I started drinking and, and drinking was like very easy for me just because of where I came from. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, it's not like I didn't take psychedelics or mushrooms at a concert once or twice, but majority of my work with psychedelics was trying to figure out how they could heal me or how they could, um, almost be a little bit of a biohack for my business. Uh, and, and then oopsie, it made me a little bit more conscious than I had ever been before. And that was really interesting to me. I really want to explore that in a, in a, in a bit on the later part of the conversation, that biohack for business, but I'm more curious before, um, before we get into that space. So you had, <clears throat> you had some success in a bunch of different things that you had done and, and you talked about how you sort of had this calling to kind of move into a more conscious space. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Is, is this an inner voice? Is this an inner calling? Because we, we hear people talking about it all the time. And sometimes I wonder, is it just one more fad? And I'm, I'm not saying this is about you, but like you go on Instagram or social media, and there's just a proliferation of everybody selling some inspiration, like do this and become that, achieve, um, take this, you'll achieve that. Was this voice around this, this whole idea of a conscious creator or being a more conscious business person? Tell me a little bit what that feels like to you that and and what was sort of the catalyst driving you into where you are? Yeah, I mean, uh, at first, it was a very selfish decision just because um I felt like when I was working with some of my clients, I felt very shallow. Like the conversation was very shallow all the time, and they wouldn't let me go deeper to understand potentially why they had imposter syndrome or why they weren't letting themselves show up for their brand. And uh, I wasn't allowed to have those conversations. It wasn't appropriate. And that just felt very uh, limiting to me where I I wanted to go deeper. That was just my personality. And I believe that a majority of our problems are because we have these like unhealed wounds. And when we're unhealed and we're unconnected uh, or no longer connected to the environment or to our community, we typically get very like, uh, our marketing changes were like, you need this or you're not enough, or I'm just caring about my sales. I don't care if it like hurts the environment or it hurts people or it makes them use the money that they don't have. Like it just became very, oh, I was very aware of the clients that really cared about what they were doing and wanted to better the planet. And the clients that are just like, oh, everybody's selling skincare and I'm a doctor, so I'm just going to sell skincare now too. And they had no passion behind it. And I was like, okay, I need to like work with the people that I resonate with and that I can have those deeper conversations with. And I feel good about the content that I'm creating for them because I feel like it's doing good in the planet. And so that was just a personal um, decision that I made. But then I wanted to go even deeper than that. Uh, I ended up doing it on accident. But then I was like, okay, 
I'm going to let pros like really focus on the actual content creation. And I'm going to go deeper and help the person uh, feel good about their messaging and feel good about themselves. And that typically had a lot of (laughs) factors to it. Lee, go ahead. Sorry, it's just really interesting to me, like the the story of your journey so far, starting out with fashion in a boutique, but the way that you you translated that and that you were intentionally being insightful and how you developed that and going from that into branding and just moving on from there. So what was it about your communication style or how you were able to kind of push those things that are typically standard or more, I don't know if you want to say forward facing, there's just not that depth to it for you to get in into it and, and be a little bit deeper with it. Um, I, I was always kind of that kid. I would really embarrass my mom because I would ask things like, why are you getting a divorce? And what does it feel like to not have kids? And I would just ask these like off the wall questions to people. And my mom would be like, that is not appropriate Bijou. Like, what are you doing? And I, I was just really wanting to know, like I was a, an inquisitive person and the the times that people let me in and I was able to talk to them, I feel like they really felt seen and I would have these beautiful interactions with them. And I kind of became like drawn to that or I wanted more of that. And uh, time for people were like, uh, don't, don't talk to me about that. Like that is way too serious right now it felt like, oh, I want to talk to you even more about this because there, there's something there. There's like walls there. And, and that's when I realized that I really was maybe better suited and more appropriate for like really intimate situations um, where I need to better myself because I was very strong-willed and like pushing and pulling and scratching away at the surface rather than being a little bit more graceful and allowing people to open up softly. And I think that's kind of where I realized that I needed to better myself. Like I knew I had these gifts and I knew that that's what I wanted, but I didn't know how to like do a a good job of them at first because I was very in my masculine energy. And so that's when I started trying to figure out things like working with sexuality and couples and relationships like working with psychedelics to really find out at the root who you are and what's keeping you from being the person you're meant to be. So all those things were like started when I was younger, but I've just tried to refine them over time. Bisha, you talk a little bit in, in, in in multiple conversations I've had with you about sort of this idea around bettering the planet that's more of just a metaphor. Sorry, maybe that's not the right term, but more of a metaphor for just sort of like global consciousness. You're not, you're not encouraging people to use psychedelics to be cleaner per se, cleaner and greener. You're talking, are you talking more like just generally being not an asshole, being a kind person and affecting other people and, and the cascade of improving the planet, or do you literally mean greener planet type stuff? I mean, from what I've seen in my own life and my clients' lives, it kind of all happens uh, because you're way more connected to the environment. So then you end up wanting to protect it a little bit more. 
And then you're also much more create, connected to your like community and what you bring value or gift to them. And so you're much more conscious about the messaging that you're utilizing and like the end result and how you can give back once you are abundant. And so it's kind of full circle, in my opinion, it, you end up caring about it all a little bit more. Is it possible for is it possible in your experience that someone can be a good person, be a conscious creator, as you stated earlier, and but not and I'm I'm going somewhere with this and not really sort of have an inclination to helping the planet, or they just sort of go hand in hand? Because I had a conversation with someone recently who I, I actually have a lot of respect for. And at the heart, he's a good person. Like, I believe he's a good human and he tries to do good and helps other people and he's involved in a lot of philanthropic stuff, but he doesn't give a damn about the planet. And when you have a conversation about them, you know, he thinks that recycling is a scam. He thinks that um, global warming is a scam, like all these sorts of things. And and whether you believe it or not, he brings up some interesting points in, in conversation. So I'm asking, like, generally, do you think that they go hand in hand or can there be can there be sort of like a opposing directions on those two things yeah i mean i think it's all so incredibly nuanced like how you want to help the planet is your own version of of you and and that's super interesting to me not everyone has to be like like crunchy granola hippie about things they they can do it in their own way and some people are better suited for supporting people and the envi- like environment as in community around them. Whereas when I'm talking about conscious entrepreneurship, for instance, the more psychedelics I ended up using and the more healed I was, the more I was um, actually like looking at the big picture, like mm-hmm. how much waste am I creating or is my marketing ethical? Am I, is there lack mentality around all this? So there's a billion different ways you can be more conscious. And I don't think everything is about re- like recycling or being green, but I do think it helps people take a step back from themselves and their businesses and understand, am I causing harm with some of the things that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about um, being more conscious, more conscious creator and all of that, and I'm sure there's things now that stick out to you like a red flag, but I think maybe some of the people that are listening to that, that, and a lot of us are, are not aware where we're blindly doing these things that we don't understand or that we're not, we're not even envisioning is there is there something that you can point out to us, some red flags or something that as far as the changes that you've made have become um, what, what the benefits are them to them, whether it's personally, financially, um, getting back more time, connecting with the people that you really want to connect with, kind of maybe explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, um, I can really speak to my own personal journey and then maybe some some major ones that I've seen with some of my clients, but I think before with me, I was, uh, very just focused on numbers. I was like, uh, what are my goals? What, what, like, how do I get there? And I was really just blowing through kind of like, um, a bulldozer to try to get exactly what I felt like my version of success was. And the bulldozer side of me was very much like, 
I was judgmental. I was um, thinking that my version was right and that everyone else was wrong and they needed to get on the bandwagon and uh, that like my, my messaging was very harsh. It was, I was very much just like not connected to my employees emotions. I was uh, really like, what do I need to say to get someone to buy my product? Like, it, it doesn't matter if I align with it, I just am going to say it right. Like, it was very much um, from a place of worry and lack. And like, this, uh, I have been running my whole life away from my problems and f- like diving headfirst into my business and keeping myself really busy so I didn't have to look back at myself type of thing. Like I can just tell when I work with people that they're like, uh, no, nothing's wrong with me. My childhood was perfect. And yeah, I'm like reaching my goals, but I just have a little bit of a, of a plateau. And um yeah, if you want me to change my messaging, that's fine. I'm not really like tied to anything. And like, it's just very, um, it feels very like. Insincere. Yeah, insincere. And just, and just not rooted in, in truth. And then they feel very afraid to mm-hmm. be authentic. Like one of my biggest things was, I was always saying what I thought people wanted me to say on my social media with my clients. And I realized very quickly that that only gets you so far uh, because everyone will do that to everyone. And where are you different? Where's the sticking point? And so that's when I was like, okay, I need to use my truth. And it was hard. I mean, my truth was very much not... um, appreciated by people that that thought that they knew me or my family or uh, past clients, best friends. And I mean, it was a big departure. So I can understand why people are very apprehensive and and afraid to be themselves um, authentically, especially in in association with their businesses. But um, I guess that's what I want to do for the people that do want to show up authentically. Yes, I lost a lot of people, but the people that I gained in being myself, I have much deeper, more um, fulfilling relationships with them now. And my abundance has like grown in so many ways in the sense of my health is better just because I'm I'm being myself and I'm in love with myself. Um, my my money is better just because I don't I no longer have a lack mentality and I feel like that really just opened the floodgates like I didn't expect and then my depth of of experience with people is is so much better so there's abundance across the board in that way and and yeah I mean I'm just so glad that I I didn't wait another like 10 20 years to end up like having I guess it was a brave move, I think. Like I, it was, it was scary, but I did it anyway. And I think that's kind of what I want to help other people do right now. Is like, where can you have more depth? Where can you turn around and face yourself? Where can you um, create more intimacy in your relationships to where you feel more held at home, so you're able to repel yourself further in business? Like those things are the things that I really want to work on people with because. I think that's the spice of life. Like your relationships and your business are where you transmute and you get everything healed. And 
you find your triggers, you find where you're not free, and then you use those to to have a better existence and and you end up much happier and and feeling a lot more connected and feeling a lot more exhilaration and and depth and eroticism and uh, everything, all the things that we're supposed to be feeling all the time that we're too busy to feel. What you were describing a minute ago sounds, it almost sounds like a divorce. When I went through a divorce ahead and you did, you divorced your old self, right? But when I went through a divorce, I know Lisa has the same experience. It's so crazy. People pick sides and I'm like, I'm not any different. I'm the same person you had drinks with last night. And now suddenly you you can't be my friend anymore because I'm divorced. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. But in retrospect, you said something that really resonated. You sound like my doppelganger sometimes, by the way, some of the things that you've gone through in the, the thought process or my, or me, yours. Um, in retrospect, looking back at that, and you said that a second ago, it sort of opened up a gateway for a whole new avenues of abundance for me and, and from relationships, you know, being divorced is how I met Lisa from new friends. Um, being divorced has enabled me to sort of like branch out and do my own thing. What, what is it about people? And this, and this is just a personal question. What is it about people that they feel so inclined that they have to choose a side on something like, especially family, why would family abandon you for you trying to improve yourself? Like that makes, that has never made any sense to me. And I actually had family members on my side that scorned me initially because I was going against God and getting divorced. And I'm like, the fuck are you to tell me whether I should or shouldn't lead my life the way you think I'm supposed to lead my life? It, it's um, you're challenging their idea of um, like safety and control. Like these are the rules. Everybody follows them. I understand who you are and you're going to stay that way because this is my reality. And when you shake my reality, it is very like unnerving to me. I don't like doing that work. I don't like worrying about you or I don't like trying to figure out who you are now. And uh, also your uh, change might be triggering the fact that I'm too afraid to change or uh, maybe I'm a little bit jealous of maybe the new uh, versions of life that you're experiencing. And that makes me angry. Um, There's these, I mean, a million different narratives about... uh, I mean, I think I triggered everyone when I first came out. It was like, um, there's lots of things like the vaccines and then the psychedelics and then talking about sex openly and moving out into the middle of nowhere when they thought that I was going to be in Texas forever. I like ripped the bandaid off really quick and they were like shocked and uh, astounded and just pissed. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it is jarring when someone that you know and you feel like is in the safe little box that you put them in all of a sudden busts out and like runs amok. It, it doesn't feel good to anyone um, that really is finding safety in their reality that feels like they're in control, that feels like everything is right the way that they want it to be or the way that they've been programmed to feel that that's right. That's so funny. The word safe little box. Um, my, there were some friends over at our house last night and they've sort of lived that the husband and wife sort of have this different viewpoint on some of the things you just touched on. Mm-hmm. And one of them has started, or, and initially one of them was sort of ridiculing me for my, my position on things. 
But as time progressed through it, and I'm not going to talk about too much in that space, but as time progressed through it, he started sending me messages on how he was starting to see the light on it. And I was actually might have a point here and that sort of thing. But his partner still is not in that space. And so last night he was bringing a couple of comments up and he was saying, like, you know, living in this safe little box for the last two and a half years. And now suddenly it's over. And I saw them look at each other and she was like glaring. He's not allowed to go there. So I quickly switched the conversation back to dinner. <laughs> it's funny. People do get stuck in those safe little boxes and they're so afraid to step outside of their safe little box. It's almost because they're, in my opinion, they're afraid to see a version of themselves and the story they've been telling them for themselves for so long was completely off or completely manipulated or completely controlled by someone else's narrative. And now it's like, holy shit, I have to do this navigation on my own. It, it is a bit. Yeah. It's fearful. There's there's a lot of work involved sometimes and it's inconvenient <laughs> when you introduce something new to someone. Um, but, you know, I think we need to realize too that, you know, we're living our own life and we're a blip on their screen. It's just like they're living their own lives. So, you know, why are we changing just to make it convenient for them? And I just, everything that you said, like your whole journey, I think we can check off all those boxes and agree with all of those things. Like it just like, I <laughs> totally felt it. And I think as well with, with you talking about um, your, your business journey and being an entrepreneur, all those, those pressure points. You know, a lot of times we're running to stand still and we're just our heads down and we're just doing those things and we never actually come up for air and assess what we're doing. And I think that's why so many people are getting burnt out as well. You're just kind of plugging along and doing those things. And I think, you know, and I've talked to Devo about this, sometimes you just don't even know how to stop and relax. Like, what am I going to do if I'm not working? Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk to you more about when you're talking about healing and what that means and the journey of that and how we can implement because you know we're all <laughs> what's in it for me yeah. what can i learn and how can i make those changes to to get that healing and ultimately talk about sex no <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll get there um yeah i think my biggest thing is i was burned out my health was affected my brain was affected and it's because um i had this drive behind me of obligation to be a success for myself, for my parents, for my family. Uh, what can I do? Do I have to do social media? Do I have to do entrepreneur school? Do I like, like, uh, oh, 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 like constant, just like squirrel brain of uh, what do I have to do? Am I doing enough? Uh, do, do I also need to go out and network? And it was just this overwhelming like exhaustion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like stop until I got sick and my body was like enough. And on top of that, I was like drinking all the time because I didn't feel comfortable being out. And I also didn't feel comfortable being at home alone because I didn't like being with myself alone um, at first. And so, yeah, it was like, uh, I I think the pandemic was kind of wonderful for me when it first hit because I was like, I couldn't go out in Austin anymore. I couldn't go out every night to a concert, to a networking event. Uh, it was also right at the time that I was like, is this the rest of my life? Like, am I supposed to be doing this the rest of my life? I had no vision forward and I had feel no feeling of true impact. And so I was like, okay, I really just need to stop and figure out what's going on. 
And I started realizing that I just never really felt safe enough to relax and to sit in silence. And I never felt like uh, enough of my own friend to want to be in my own company. And so those were like the major healing things that I needed to do at first. And when I started seeing um, what happened out of that and the fact that I was actually able to sit there and relax and I was actually able to have a nice conversation with myself instead of, oh my God, you've gained weight. Oh my God, those wrinkles. Oh my God, like your bank account. I was just constantly on my own ass all the time. And it was finally the point when I started feeling that true healing that I was like, oh, life is much more wonderful when you just stop and you take a breath. And so I feel like it's, I've always been that middle ground. Like I was able to speak producer lingo so I could tell the content creators how to do things, but I was also like the entrepreneur. So I was able to tell the entrepreneur, like, this is how you do things in their own verbiage. And now I feel like that with psychedelics, like I still am very much like, I'm, I'm not some of like this extremely woo woo people that, that, that start speaking and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I cannot like jive with this. This feels very weird. I still feel like I'm rooted in like normal reality to an extent, but I'm, I'm making this a little bit more accessible because healing is really, in my opinion, after some of the learning that I've been doing and all the different religions that I've just been trying to figure out my own version of spirituality, it is life is your version of all these tests and all these lessons that you're supposed to learn. And it's like this video game or simulation. And once you you learn, you get to stop repeating that, that, what is it called? Like, I don't play video games, but that, um, okay. That, 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 uh, like level. Yeah. The level. And so I, I guess I stopped having to play the same levels over and over again. And I started learning some lessons and then I started going deeper. And that's when, I was like, okay, I feel a lot more able to sit back and go, what do I need to change and what's going on and what do I want and what is my vision? And that's when I was like, okay, I'm totally not rooted enough or strong enough in my sexuality because of religion and because I never had the support and because patriarchy and because this and that. So that's when I was like, okay, our relationships really affect our lives. How can I be a better partner? How can I give myself a better version of, of like sexual identity or, or sexuality and depth? And how is that power that I get out of that going to affect my business and my, my livelihood? And so that was like a really fun question that I got to ask. But if I hadn't like stilled my life, if I hadn't like calmed down, I would never have seen all of those things that I had to work on and, and not had the bravery and the excitement to work on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk, talk about that for a second. So what does that feel like? You talked uh, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned a biohack for business or a biohack for your life. By taking mushrooms and the psilocybin, what, what actually goes on in that space? And, and is, it a, is it a progressive evolution or is it just sort of right away? 
Yeah. So when I first started, I was very much in the um, like Silicon Valley desire of, I want more creativity. I want more stress management. I want um, uh, the ability to see my problems from a different perspective. Um, I want uh, to be able to sleep a little bit better. All of this stuff that it was like touting to be the the best thing to do for it. I was like, yeah, I need that. Yeah, I need that. So I was very much not thinking about my consciousness. I was just thinking about how it is going to affect my reality at that point. And it did. I started seeing that, but it happened because um, it heals all of the muck inside of you. It it allows you to drop it at the doorstep that, that makes room for you to uh, have the capacity to do more and to experience more and to have better stress management because you're not stressed as much. And so I don't think it's talked about enough that it it comes from some of the healing that happens. And you're able to have the creativity and the ability to see like problems from a different perspective because it takes you away from yourself. You're able to like actually step back from yourself. Uh, so it's almost like, a coaching situation where the coach can see what's going on easier than you can, you can almost see yourself a little bit easier and and understand potentially what's been deep-seated that's bugging you currently that you haven't healed from your past that you don't ever think about anymore because your brain is doing you a favor by pushing it down in a way. So you don't have to use your brain power to think about it all the time, but it's still affecting your subconscious. So those are all the things that I started here for the entrepreneurial aspects. And then I was like, oh, there's so much more. I'm overwhelmed. Sorry. I just, I, I am. I have like so many questions. Um, can we can we get really granular with that? Like when you said you, you just started to slow down, like how did you how did you start to implement all of this and and make those changes? And um when like for me it, it seems a little overwhelming. I'm such mm-hmm. a nerd. How did you start to implement that in a way that that it was easily understood and that the rest of us can understand as well? Oh yeah. Um and I thank you for that question because sometimes I get so out here, but it, like at the at the root of what happened was um, a lot of people will take psychedelics to have fun at concerts or they might microdose and go about their day to optimize their life. But I was really taking time to figure out what a good protocol was for me and how I could get the most out of it. And so I tried a few different things and the moments that I would actually try to meditate on it and I would like slow down my reality and my life. Um, I started really connecting with my body and I was like, I was so numb in my body because I was never connecting. And then I was like, wow, silence is really nice. And oh my God, this amazing idea just came out of nowhere because I was quiet enough to listen to it. And so that was the thing. It was just taking a little bit and being quiet for a minute. And that's when I started having like emotion well up and be like, oh my God, I just thought about this one time that my mom said something and I, I'm still affected by that. I'm still mad about that. And it's like coming up and I'm crying about it in meditation. And that's when I was like, hmm, 
this is really interesting. How do I go deeper? And that's when I started taking larger doses um, to really understand what's going on inside of me. And and I think that was the, the main thing, though. If like people are afraid of bigger doses and, and facing the demons, per se, going into the storm with themselves, it just starts with microdosing. Like, little bits that allow you to feel safe in your own skin to allow you to drop deeper into yourself, really allow you to like dip your toe in and get safe with the mushrooms and feel like they are your ally and feel like you can like keep yourself safe in your own container. And that's when you start potentially dabbling a little bit more. Like you might do a couple trip with your partner or you might do a big deep dive for your business and and that's what my journey looked like. I, I just got more and more comfortable and I saw more and more results. And I just like my existence expanded and my consciousness grew a little bit deeper. And that's when I started seeing the benefit in going a little bit further and further and further. And after a while, I was like, how can I support other people in doing this? Because I was very much a guinea pig and I was stupid enough or brave enough. I don't know what you want to call it to try all this on my own. And I had a lot of trial and error and I had a lot of, uh, it took a lot of time to try a lot of different things. And after a while I was like, what does an entrepreneur need to be able to with their lifestyle, with what they have going on with potentially who they are and where they came from, if they are a high functioning entrepreneur, like I just knew all of that stuff from being in that position. And I was like, how do I support them going forward with their psychedelic journey? I love how intentional you are and the clarity around it. Like that speaks to my, I guess my fear that that there's so much purpose behind it and i know i know from from the life that i've lived that i'm holding a lot of things in my body mm-hmm. so that when you're talking about initially that fear of like things exploding basically out of me like it coming out like opening pandora's box i think that's the fear behind it but when you're talking about it it's so much more calming mm-hmm. and kind of knowing that those things are going to open up to you and that there's the the benefit to that as well. And it's not like, let's just tamp them down and keep everything quiet. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank you for explaining. I, I, like that. You, I like you having that clarity, Lisa, because you asked me about it in, in my space on that. And I wasn't able to sort of explain it to you. So I'm glad that we choose to have that conversation with you. It's yeah. interesting. So is your space around it? And this is just a question for you, Lisa. Has your space oh, no. just based on what you know here? Because I know you have some fear of the unknowns around it. Has your space sort of, have you changed on that in, in a sense after hearing this more succinctly? I, I think so. I think because I know, I know there's a lot of bullshit in my body, basically. <laughs> Just, there's been a lot of like a lot of the things that you've been talking about. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Like it's just checking off so many boxes. Yeah. And I think, you know, 30 I'm just going to drop this 30 years of being a, a Mormon, the way that my marriage was, the patriarchal bullshit, all of that, the way that we're supposed to act, the way a good wife is supposed to act, you know, how you're heard, all of those things. I know that I'm like, I understand it, but I know that I'm still carrying it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea of releasing it is fabulous to me, but the process of of that scares me. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's that kind of 
everybody mm-hmm. feels that way. I mean, uh, that's where I like get so passionate about rebranding psychedelics because, mm-hmm. uh, we all do have so much, especially women, we hold everything inside of us and it leaves very little room for new versions of ourselves to bloom, especially since you've really done yourself a, a wonderful gift to, to separate yourself from that, to, to allow yourself to see who you are now, but you still have all of that programming. You still have all of those walls. And so it's such a wonderful gift to give yourself the opportunity to open and, but we don't know how. And we have this idea of psychedelics from the 50s that they were illegal for a reason. And they're going to make you jump out of a window and rip your skin off your face. And it, it's all a bunch of bullshit. But we all still hold on to that uh, story. And, and that's where we need to understand, yes, sometimes it is scary to face some of your your past experiences. But if you feel prepared and held which none of us have really ever felt that. Um, that, and we have intention and strength behind it and desire to transmute that, then it's a completely different experience. It is beautiful. And you just are in awe of yourself again. You're in awe of life again. And you have so much respect for yourself after that. And and that was the, the stuff that I was lacking. It was constant chatter of the world around me telling me you're not enough you need more you're you shouldn't don't sit still you're not gonna be okay if you sit still all of those things just melted away for a minute and my all the muscles in my body relaxed for the first time potentially in my whole life and I was like holy shit everybody needs to feel this before they die do you not think that most people feel or hear that noise um, almost 100% of the time? That's the society that we're in, that that noise is always bouncing around. There's yeah. guilt, there's fear, there's all those things are the things that we need to be doing. Yeah, and it is funny. Um, we we picked up, and I, I like challenging myself a lot. So when, when my partner was like, let's go buy land and move out to the middle of nowhere, and I was like city girl to my core, like I needed people, I needed experiences, I needed restaurants, I needed shopping. And I was like, hell, let's, let's do it. I, got, I mean, I only live once. We live out here and sometimes our power goes down. And power going down is a new experience to me. And sometimes we have put the generator on and the generator will run all day until they fix the the power. And once the generator goes off and the silence comes back, I'm like, oh, that's what it was like when my my mind was constant with ideas and thoughts and issues and the silence, that that moment that the generator goes off and you finally understand what silence is like, you're like, holy shit. But before you don't hear the generator, it normalizes. It's just a thing that's always there. And so it doesn't bother you as much. But it's not until it stops and you feel that peace of that humming finally going away that you're like, oh, thank God. You know, it's, it's, it, it, I would liken it in that sense. It, it sounds absolutely delicious the way that you explain it. You know, when you are being pulled so many different ways and you're hearing so many things, just to have that um, direction, mm-hmm. not, that we're not just spinning our wheels or we're not burning energy in ways that it it's doing no good to us. Mm-hmm. That's very enticing. 
Lisa, to your point earlier, the, the first question you asked is, you know, all our lives, it's crazy that we, we have these sort of temporal disciplines that we're taught from the day we enter school. We're literally put in line, straight lines. We're educated with absolute, mostly nonsense. And we're told to compete, have the best grades, be the best on the sports team, be the best in theater. Like everything's a competition. Like literally Sorry. Quiet. Like literally everything we do, especially. I mean, I, I've only lived in America. I've traveled a lot, so I can't necessarily speak for. Um, but I, I have an observation around that. So, so I went to Nicaragua a few years ago to work with a woman who had opened a. a basically, it was a, a school for the inner city children just outside of Managua, and and these kids would literally wake up at four, five, six o'clock in the morning to walk two hours just so they could be at the school. And, and one of the things that I first observed when I was there is how different it was from American kids. And, and these were like seventh graders, eighth graders, high school kids, but they were really in touch with each other. There was a lot of sharing and they were a lot of hugging and they're all, all of them, like not just the girls, the boys, their arms were always on each other. They were always just in these sort of like intimate spaces with each other. And and I was thinking back when I was there observing that, I'm like, that doesn't happen in American school. We're basically little soldiers set up. And the entire time we're there from, from the first day we enter school until our, we die, basically, we're just told to build, to build, to build, to build, to make more money, to make more, have more things, have more things. And it's like this constant bombardment of we have to have more, we have to be. And now social media, which is fantastically brilliant on one hand, but is malicious and evil on the other has now exacerbated that bazillion fold. And, and it's, it's probably my biggest concern about life in general is like where this is taking us. What's your take on all of that social media, the shape where the world's going right now, the fact that there seems to be on one hand, a polarization of people that are waking up and sort of realizing the bullshit and the dogma they've been told. And then there's another classification of people who are just like with their blinders on still following. Well, there's a, a yin and yang to everything. So like with drug use, quote unquote, drug use, like you can, you can go into the dark or you can go into the light. You can, uh, use social media to better your life and to propel your message. And you can also utilize it to feel bad about yourself or to make other people feel bad about themselves. It's everything has a light and a dark to it. And I think that the slowing down and the direction and the vision helps you pick the version of it that might be better for you. And, and so I, I think that that's been huge for me. I mean, I was a social media addict and I still probably am, but I was really much more in tune with the message that I wanted to share and the connection that I wanted to form. And now that I am being myself, it's scary. I still get scared when I press send on some of my things, but the, the reaction of the, oh my God, I could have written that or Oh, I felt that so strongly. Thank you for saying that. Those are the things that I'm like, okay, I just need to optimize and idealize and find out my own version of this. And and that's the scary part is what is my idea of sexuality or sexy? What is my idea of success? What is my idea of connection? What is my idea of a legacy? Like, yeah, you've had your idea, but it's fundamentally flawed in my opinion. And it didn't work for me. And I didn't feel sexy in that. And I didn't feel good in that. And I didn't feel 
like fulfilled with your version of success and and stepping outside of that and figuring out your own version without support does feel very scary and and confusing but i think that's what we need to do and and then you start aligning again with the people that have that same vision and the connection that comes back is really imperative right now because i feel like everybody is so disconnected because everybody has their own um story and they don't align and they don't connect and we, we don't have those threads that are helping us connect that's so interesting because you know being a woman too when you're talking about beauty sexuality all of that somebody can tell you until they're blue in the face oh this 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 and this is what you should be doing this is beautiful this is the best thing for you and you can it's it's like going and getting your makeup done somebody does your makeup and you walk away and you're like and they're like oh it's so beautiful and you feel hideous it's not until you internally feel those things and you internally connect with those things whether it is beauty sexuality business just what your purpose is until you know somebody can tell you those things but until you figure that out yourself right mhm yeah i mean i i felt like oh like if you would imagine a duck walking in heels, like I love heels, but just it it didn't work for me. So like I would put Victoria's Secret on and I'd be like, this feels stupid. Or I would like go to a, a business luncheon and these guys would talk about numbers and sales. And, and I was like, ugh, this does not resonate with me. And then I would like go talk to my parents about my, my version of success was and they'd be like, really? And I was like, yes, like, Everybody's trying to tell me what my version of of all those things are and I'm like no they're not like I have to figure that out for myself and I think those are the things that we're supposed to be doing to children we're supposed to be empowering them to have the curiosity to find out what their version of all of that is instead of constantly trying to program them to keep them safe and in line that's just me though how do you know? This is a question I had with uh, my friend Nick Egan the other day, and, and he's uh, big into psychedelics. Spent years name dropping, <laughs> my friend. Dropping because it's an interesting conversation because he asked me a question about my experience with this, and I said I, I'm not sure if it's placebo because you sort of, <clears throat> and it, it's a good question. And he said, "Well, what if it is placebo?" It doesn't really matter because the reality is that you sort of stepped into the acknowledgement of what it is that you wanted in the first place. What's your take on that? Like, what if, what if it is, I guess, theoretically, one could find this enlightenment, if you will. And I hate that term because of, of those people you referenced earlier that sort of use it to their, to, to add accolades to their life. Lisa and I have some stories out in Sedona about that, but what if it is placebo? Like what difference does it make? Yeah, I mean, that's what I loved about psychedelics for me is that it was a, a catalyst. It was a, it shook me hard enough at one point that I stopped like feeling like I had a control. And when you have control, your idea of control, you start deciding what's going to work and what's not going to work for you. And you're wrong until you actually try it. So it like shook this snow globe enough to where I was like, a little bit discombobulated enough to see a different reality or a different version of what would work for me. And it doesn't matter if it's a coach or if it's breath work or if it's being in nature or if it's psychedelics, there's got to be something that's strong enough to you that moves you enough 
to be able to allow some walls to come down that empowers you enough to make you feel like you are powerful enough to make change in your life. And those are the things like, it's a combination of all of it. Like therapy, talk therapy didn't work for me because I needed the somatic side of it. I needed to move my body to move the pain out of myself. Like uh, psychedelics work for me because it, it is a version of talk therapy with myself and moving emotion out of my system and having the vision of myself in a in a better way that I actually believe is possible. So it doesn't matter what it is. It's just got to be something that's strong enough that will allow you to step outside yourself and to make you believe that it's working and make you believe that uh, you're capable of all of that. It has to be you know, scary and that confusing, like you said earlier, because it's that scary and the confusing that leads you to the down that path of clarity. Is that what you mean by that? Mm-hmm. But you know what I like about, <clears throat> excuse me, all of this is that it's not aggressive. You know, um, and this is probably from my own experiences, but a lot of people that find the right thing want to preach it or pound it. You know, they're very, very aggressive about their point of view. And you have a a softer, confident, and you're not thumping that Bible and doing all those things to, to proclaim how perfect it is. And you have to do this. And this is the only right way. You're saying there's a myriad of ways of finding the clarity, the purpose, the direction, the the peace that you need. And I love that. Yeah. And, and that's why I feel like people do need support because we are all so nuanced, even though we are the same, like we have experienced a lot of the same things, but uh, my version of what got me here is different from yours. And so there's so many different things that you can utilize. And it's almost like, Psychedelics is just one of the tools in your toolbox, but you're going to have to use quite a few different things. And that might mean talking about it. That might mean breath work. That might mean time in nature. That might mean just microdosing. That might mean big trips. That might mean like work with your your partner to really see change in your life. And And that's the thing. Like everybody's psychedelic journey is completely different and they need to feel supported and and have clarity around what's possible for them to actually go down that path. Because before it's very dark and murky and scary. And if you just kind of shine the light on the possibility, that's when people start going down at themselves with much more confidence. I find what you do fascinating. You mentioned that you had been to a therapist and you'd gone through that route. I have as well. And, and one of the things that I observed Early in my days, when I was married, my wife and I went to couples therapy to try to salvage a relationship that never had a chance to begin with. And then I went to, you know, went to multiple therapists. And then after I got divorced, I was seeing a therapist because I was like, there's got to be something wrong with me. And I'm just kind of bumping up against stuff on a regular basis. And it was always that thought, like, there must be something wrong with me. And, and one of the things that I observed every single time with every single therapist I've ever spoken to, and I'm not denigrating what they do, but they're, I'm sure this is there's fantastic, fantastic features that they provide. But I always just found it very clinical and superficial, just asking very baseline questions that never really dove into the root of the problem or really took the time to sort of follow a rabbit hole of something into something else, right? And so what you do, that sort of intersection between 
psychedelics and tapping into this sort of new universal energy because it's all that's what these mushrooms are they're just part of the planet right and then pragmatically assessing that how it can be applied not just woo woo but pragmatically i find that to be sort of like in the space of something that really appeals to me and that's why you know i was excited about having this conversation where do people lose focus on it and and why does it have obviously it's government but why does psychedelics especially natural, environmental, earth-based psychedelics have such a horrible stigma? Well, um, it's it's so many things. I mean, there are some plant plant medicines, psychedelics, that are a little bit more aggressive, to your point. Um, Like ayahuasca, it's an ordeal medicine. People don't really love the idea of, like, vomiting out their... Uh, their pain and and it, it's you have to be ready for that to be able to experience that type of medicine and that's why I love mushrooms is that you can really just like ease into the uh, the version of medicine and healing that's right for you so you're not like re-traumatizing yourself but I think that a lot of people had an experience in college where they got drunk they took many and all of their shit came out while they were at a concert and that re-traumatized them and that's the experience they hold on to or their mothers are extremely afraid of having a trip and not coming back like almost every mom that I talk to that I'm preparing for a trip am I going to come back am I still going to be okay for my children like we have these fears in us that that are really not allowing us to um to have the bravery that it takes to work on yourself. And and that's the thing is that just like talking about sex, like frankly, is stigmatized. Like these natural things that are really going to help us are stigmatized. And I don't understand why. I mean, there's got to be a a bigger reason behind all of this. But I, I think that it's that shame. I mean, to your point about therapy, what would I act the way that I do on a trip in a therapist's office? Like, would I cry the way that I do? Would I be as honest? Would I get into a ball and ask to be like held? No, but is that what I need? Yes. And so those are the things is that we go into the therapy in the middle of the day on our quick lunch break and we just talk really fast and we say what we had to do. And yeah, it felt, felt good to vent, but I'm not moving. I'm not like changing it out of my cellular system like with mushrooms that are like, you can't lie to us, like, just get it all out. Just go ahead and cry. It's going to be okay. You're strong. You're okay. And then the lightness that you feel afterwards, like, I didn't get that from therapy. And so those are the things is like, we need drastic changes in our lives right now. Um, We owe it to ourselves, in my opinion. But it's also extremely scary. Like who wants to open the closet and let all the skeletons out to play with them? Like it, it, it is insane talking about that without support and without true desire to do that. And that's why we wait until it's like we're really sick or we're really unhappy or our lives are crumbling around us. And, and that's the, the problem. But that's human nature. I mean, I don't know if we're going to change that about ourselves. Um, let's talk about why you think sex is so stigmatized and have you ever, as you, like, I don't remember ever actually openly having a 
a forum to talk about it, to actually understand it. Like there's so many things, even from, is, is it more so from being a woman, do you think, or is it across the board? You know, even, even when you, um, people aren't going to want to listen to this, but when you become a woman, it's like, you take this, do this, don't, you know, and then hide it and don't, you know, so it's almost like from that burgeoning, becoming a young woman all the way through, like those open conversations rarely happen. Mm-hmm. Wait, they didn't show you the grade school slideshow when you were in Canada growing up to learn all about sex, Lisa, don't you know? We're way too polite. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you become a Mormon. So, oh, yeah, you got so that much politeness wrapped. I love that your podcast is a little impolite now that I know that you're a Mormon Canadian. <laughs> Do you remember that slideshow we had to watch before you answer Lisa's question? And I was yeah. just like, really? It was traumatizing. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's I'm holding so, it somewhere in my body right now. <laughs> it's so, um, it's, excuse my friend, it's so effed up. Like, um, we don't know how to deal with our emotions um, or with our authentic sides of ourselves because our parents don't know. And we learned from our parents. And so to your point with the kids in Nicaragua, like, your parents saw it from their parents that you don't touch each other at school. You just do your work. You, sh- you shut up and you do your work because it's easier for the teacher to deal with a class full of quiet people that are mm-hmm. doing their work rather mm-hmm. than self-expression. So, and especially women, like we have so much power in our sexuality. Like I'm not talking about you, the version of sex that everyone's thinking about. I'm talking about the, the sexual side of femininity. It's like this, this beauty, this creativity, this power that comes out of us that we do not know how to manifest inside of ourselves typically that that we stamp down because it is way too weird and powerful and and interesting for normal people to deal with typically. And we really do ourselves a disservice because so much can come out of our business. So much can come out of our personalities. So much can come out of our connections with people. If we like open that and we play with that. And I was Catholic. I was like growing up in El Paso as a Mexican culture. Like I had a lot around you be a good girl. You be a good girl. You be a quiet girl. You do not think those thoughts. You do not uh, think that you are powerful. You know what your job is and you stay in line. And it was very much a weight on my soul. And I was like, knew at the, at the base of who I am that that wasn't right. And, and living in that was making me sick. And I finally was just like, no. And, and then I was like, okay, but then what? Like, what do I do after that? And who do I learn from? And who's going to teach me how to play in that world and be okay with myself? And that's when I was like, people are struggling in business and in love because of intimacy issues. We, we do not know how to be ourselves, to show up as ourselves, which in then attracts the right people, which in then makes the connection deeper, which and then allows me to keep going down the road in a really safe and fun way. And, and that's when I started seeing when I was coaching people with their businesses, so much of their home life was affecting them, obviously, that I was like, okay, well, now I need to go back to school for business and relationship. And, 
And I was like, which will benefit me because I'm struggling right now too. I don't know how to go deeper with my partner. I, I was never shown that. I didn't have an example of that, but I wanted it. And so that's when I did the Layla Martin program. And at the same time, I was doing my like psychedelic facilitation program. And that might have been quite a bit for my nervous system all at once. But it's, it's, it was the fire that I had to go through to come out the other end to feel confident to help other people with it. And I will constantly be working on that the rest of my life. But the thought of myself not healing my sexuality and not being okay with myself and not trying psychedelics and not coming out here and, and challenging myself that way, the thought of who I would be on my deathbed scares the ever living Jesus out of myself. <laughs> Where like, I am so glad that I took those jumps and I, and I, like doubled down on myself in those ways that now I want to support other people to do the same. Mm, I love that. I love that. Uh, uh, you know, and to, to come to that as well, like I think a lot of, you know, changes that I've started making came because I had to make them, you know, a crisis came and I had to, I had no other choice. So for anyone that comes voluntarily through, you know, introspection and starts to make those changes, like kudos to them. And even what you were saying, I think a lot of the things as a woman or, you know, you never talk about money. You don't ask your, you know, how much you're making? What, what do you do in this situation? All of that. Like you get a compliment, you deflect it, all of those things. Like we don't, we don't open up to those things at all. So yes to more, <laughs> more. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's my biggest fear. You, you talked about being on your deathbed. I think that I share that same sentiment earlier in the conversation. We talked about what's your legacy when this is all said and done. And I, I think I struggle with that. And, I, and I, I wonder if I'm focusing too much on what my legacy is going to be might be part of the problem as opposed to just living my best life to borrow the most overused term ever. I think that's my biggest fear right now is I, I feel like I have so much potential to do so many different things, but I'm just sort of getting stuck in this perpetual will of just trying to do something every day to survive. Why you know? is it just men that feel like they need to have a legacy? Like no. I need a road named after me or like, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not until you start talking about it. I was like, shit, there's something else I need to be working on. It's, it's, not, it's not having a name or a school or a road. I don't need to be the next MLK. I'm not looking for that, but I do want to leave a footprint here. I do want to have left something that affected other people that has sort of a, a sovereignty to it. Like there's a, it, it, there's a perpetuity to it. Like I do like call me vain or maybe I'm at, I guess this is more of a question. Am I being vain by having that idea? I, I don't believe so. I think wanting to know that your existence mattered is, is, is a normal thing. I think we get in the, the lie that it's got to be big. We got to have a, name, a school named after us. Yeah, if your road wasn't named after you, did you really do well enough? And and, and that's this the psychedelic thing that really helped me. That it reframed what is my version of a legacy? What is my version of success? And when your soul aligns with what that vision is, you have so much more peace and clarity and you feel so much better about going down the road rather than all these questions about what if and what should it be. And it was, I, I'm the same. I'm an idea machine. I just 
this ideas are coming through me. Like, I don't know where they're coming from. And to quiet that sometimes to where I actually have the peace and the clarity to be able to work on the ones that actually matter, to actually grasp onto the ones that are going to fulfill me and, and allow me to go deeper in myself. That's the clarity that I get. I mean, I did a big trip around that with the intention of what am I supposed to be doing? Like I own a, like everyone was like, Bijou, you own a boutique one day, you have a video production company the next day, you have a Netflix documentary the next day. Now you're a brand stylist. It was like, I wanted everything and anything that I could put my hands on because I just loved doing. And it was great. And I loved that I did all of that. But but being rooted in something that I know to be truthful and work with my sole purpose and to feel like if I keep doing this and I keep doing this well, that that's the legacy that I want to leave behind, knowing that I helped 10 people, knowing that I helped 20, whatever the number is, but knowing that I went deep enough with them is the piece that I have now. And I don't know if I would have found that at the age that I found that at if I hadn't had the catalyst of that big trip with that big intention. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say psychedelics are going to work for everyone. And it like, if you just do it, everything will be figured out. All I can say is that it really sure does help a little bit to get some clarity around that. In the last part of our show, and we could talk for several hours, I'm sure, You've mentioned sexuality, not in the sense of sex, but sexuality. And but you've talked a lot about couples tripping. What exactly is that, and what's the benefits of it? Can you walk, talk a little bit about that space? Yeah. So I mean, the the safety. This is and, an, this is not an intervention, by the way. I was just <laughs> gonna say that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but you, Bijou and I have talked about it before, and I, I, is it a safe place? Yeah, it's a safe place. But I'm curious. Because well, you, you've talked about, you know, a large, a larger problem that people have in business or in relationships. It's not necessarily the the principle that they're struggling. It's the fact that they haven't dealt with some of the, mm-hmm. I don't know what you called it. You said something more of the somatic issues. I think you called it more of the somatic side of things. So I truly believe that high functioning entrepreneurs pick that lifestyle because of their traumas that they've experienced in their lives. It the the people pleasing, the the desire for more, the the obligation, all of that comes from a special sauce of of a childhood. And and that's why I love working with entrepreneurs because I came from that same cloth. And um, we don't want to heal ourselves so much that the things that have helped us be successful become obsolete. But we also don't want to be running after that carrot so much you just turn into like old haggardly like depleted, angry people, right? And so that was what I was trying to figure out for myself as an entrepreneur. But I also realized that I had a big fear of intimacy, that I would give people what I thought that they wanted. And I would um, put myself aside and I would uh, just try to not rock the boat to where I could have a comfortable, safe existence that I that I was finally manufacturing. And yes, that worked for a little while. But when you become really still on that boat, 
you become bored after a while, or you, you start knowing that there are those sharks below you and you're just pretending that they're not there. And that's what I'm talking about when it comes to business and with your relationships is that when you face the storm, then you're able to not have this idea. My idea of my problems was so much worse than they actually were because my creativity is amazing in that way. And it was kind of like, I was attracting the lovers that were showing me my issues. They were, they, I was attracted to them because we had a trauma bond or we had a, a thing that we could work out together and either break up because of it and learn that lesson or grow together because of it. Same with my business partners, same with my clients. All of these are opportunities for me to grow and learn and heal if I see it that way and if I use it in that capacity. And so what's awesome is that some people go off on these tangents by themselves in in this desire to heal themselves and they heal themselves right out of their relationship because they no longer have that trauma bond or they no longer have uh, that cortisol spike that comes out of fighting with them anymore. And, and those are the things like you either will grow out of it and, and try to find someone that's a little bit more conscious or you'll grow with each other. And, and that's where like psychedelic coaching and psychedelic therapy really help people to heal together to where their existence is much more, uh, on their terms. It's not who I was and what I went through and how you remind me of that. It's who are we now and who do we want to be together in the future? And that's the beauty that I love from utilizing psychedelics for that. And and you can do it with your business if you're single or you can do it with your partner if you have a partner. It doesn't really matter. Your, your money and your love and your sex are the same thing. They're the energy and you either have blocks in them or you don't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I realized about myself. And that's what I love helping other people with because... You know me, as I said before, I love the, the juiciness. I love the, the depth that comes out of talking about who we are as humans, not that candy wrapper that we're able to show everybody else that is just like prim and proper. Like, let's go deeper. Let's talk about the nitty gritty. Let's talk about pain. Let's talk about the desires and the, the things that turn you on. You know what I mean? Um, that's what I love about talking to people about their relationships and their businesses in the psychedelic way, because you can't lie about anything in that space. You find out who you are and so does your partner. You just said so many things that resonated with me. Please thoughts. Um, you're always talking about, is it the Pareto, Pareto principle, 80, 20? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this gets rid of all of the extraneous things, whether it's through our business, through our relationships, just through our life and concentrates more on the affecting things in our life that we want to do. That's a good way of looking at it. There's so much, there's so many distractions in our life and we we talk about it all the time in our business and we'll have our, our conversations and I'm like, I feel like we should be doing this instead of this, 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 but you know, how do we funnel in? And this seems like a way to just kind of clear that the multitude of thoughts that we both have mm-hmm. and funnel in on those, those things that make a difference and will bring us joy. And I think joy, you know, man is that they might have joy. 
Really? Mm-hmm. So being the feminine energy that you are, are you ready to sign up and get clarity around your 80-20? Every day. <laughs> It'd make it easier getting out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. You have a As opposed to like, ah, oh, I have to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I've circled on, as you were talking, I've circled all these different things I wanted to ask you about, but we'll never have time to get to it. Um, <laughs> one hour 20 in, this has been a fantastic conversation. It means we'll have to come back for round two. We should. Um, I want to learn more about your retreat for the higher self that you're putting together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to get something on your calendar where I can come up there as we talked about doing some filming with you. So yeah. I'd like to do that sooner than later. Um, my plant energy is telling me to get this done right now. So thank you for that. Before you leave us, you talked a little bit about everybody has their own version of success. Your parents sort of snarled at you when you told them yours. Now that you've gone through the things that you've gone through and you are where you are today, what does success mean to you? So I have um, a vision that I use for my meditation and I have a, a vision of what like Drew and I will be like together, like if my desires were to come true and, and little by little, it's getting to that. And then what my vision of success is and little by little, I'm getting to that. But, but holding that vision is these moments where people are just radiating, like they're just so happy. Like I have visions of me holding people while they're crying. I have visions of people just like you can tell they know themselves and they love themselves and they're ready to go out into the world and share their gift. Like those are the moments that I find true, a version of success that I love. And I want to have many of those as I'm supposed to have. I don't want to be like a big, hairy, audacious goal before with all of the entrepreneurial training was like, I need to 10,000 people by this date. But instead it's like, how many am I supposed to touch? How many am I supposed to go deep with? And what are those people going to then in turn do? And what are their kids going to do now that they're healed? And now what are their businesses going to do now that they're more healed? Like it's exponential because of that rather than how many people. So my idea of success is the depth that I experience with people. And that's the vision that I hold. And so, yeah, it's like, the faces of the women that I've helped when they just feel their like goddess selves, when they feel their feminine energy for the first time, where they feel power and, and they're no longer shameful about certain things The the men that I've worked with, it feel like seen and, and supported for the first time. Like those are the things that I now find as my version of success. And that's the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning. That's the stuff that I know if it doesn't align with that happening, then it's not necessary right now. And I never had that clarity before. I love that nothing you said had to do with acquisition of anything. Or at least materially speaking. I have everything I need. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm saying that the right way. You know, you, you talked about business school and business goals and all that sort of stuff. And everybody sort of is told, like, I'm told the same thing by my business coach. Like, make a list of these things that you want to do. And, and I've never been able to do that. I've never been able to set a goal. I don't know if this is sort of the same thing. But for me, 
for me, setting a, a principle, a goal that I have to accomplish something by X number of time, and then there is a numeric, there's a numeric accolade to it. For whatever reason, I've never been able to put that down on paper. I, I don't know what that is because maybe that's why I need your plans. Is because I'm always like shifting. Like I'm literally from working in the corporate world to being an athlete to wanting to launch a a different, I, I mean, I've had multiple businesses that I've run and now I'm in running two new businesses. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be in Charlotte. Or I don't want to be in like, I, there's just so many different things. And for me to say, I need, and maybe I'm going about it ass backwards, but for me to say, I have to accomplish X by number of days or Y by number of months, it, it does, it just sometimes. It's very doesn't. limiting. Like who you are as a person right now has no idea of what you're actually capable of. And, and so it's almost like your soul is like, get that stupid number away from me. You have no idea what we're capable of. Like, no, 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 no. And that's the stuff that I'm talking about is like every, like maybe that works for some people, but for some people it doesn't. And if we don't have an alternative, then we feel very lost. It, it's interesting to me you talking about this because, gosh, that was my life. It probably is, you know, at times now. But I remember with my my ex building. We had a house on the beach. You know, we build this house where we're um, reconstructing, doing all like all new construction. We're building beautiful porches across the back. And the whole time in my mind, I'm like, we will never sit on these porches. We will never sit in these chairs and just quietly taken the ocean and all these things like we were always building it for someone else and the idea of building your life for someone else just does not resonate we need to build our lives for ourselves don't we mm-hmm. that's such a beautiful visual yeah exactly and it it doesn't feel good knowing it like in your subconscious your soul knows the truth and yeah you're like ah, like I'm just, I'm just making you a better man for the next woman. I'm just making this like place like better for the next person that's going to buy it. I'm not, I'm not nesting for myself. I'm not creating a deeper relationship for myself. And, and it's because you don't know what your desires are because you have so many voices telling you what your desires are and you don't know how to quiet them that you're like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to help everyone else. And that's, that's when we become people helpers which isn't a bad thing, but we also can't forget to help ourselves. Mm-hmm. I just want to throw in the towel after you said that, because that's basically you just described my life. I feel like my entire life, it's been me trying to help other people and me <gasps> giving away my power to other people. Uh, we've I, had this conversation so many times. Yeah, Lisa <laughs> scolds me on a daily basis. She's like, stop giving away so much of your energy. Why are we doing this for everyone else? <laughs> what, what's the difference between that and doing for for your clients or for when you work with me, like you're doing the same thing you're giving. So what's the difference? So before, and I, and I brought this up to you, uh, when I was making content for everyone else, uh, I, I felt like I was bettering their business. I felt valuable. I felt like I was getting something done. I, I liked it, but I wasn't ever working on myself. I never turned around to work on my own content. I never had the time and the space to write something that I felt proud of or that I felt like I was connecting with someone on. So just to use social media as a a tiny example, that's the stuff that I'm talking about. I wanted to be valuable to everyone else because that gave me a sense of purpose and, and honor, right? But, but it was because I was too afraid to work on myself. I was too afraid 
to turn around and figure out who I was because that felt very daunting. That felt like I could get it wrong. If I get someone else's shit wrong, oh well. If I get my stuff wrong, oh gosh. And so that's the thing is that we don't feel comfortable with figuring ourselves out because it's too weighted. It's too important. And so we just won't do it. And and that's that's the thing. I was helping people with a lot of my gifts, but they were not polished in the perfect little ball that they are now. It was discombobulated and like, let me help you with your content. Let me consult you on your social media. Let me make sure that your closet is organized and you have the right clothes in it. Like it's now it's all come together in this crystal vision of, oh, now I understand. But that's because I took the time to figure that out. And I'm doing it in much smaller chunks that feel much better and deeper. And I'm not just like moving to move per se. So we've hijacked so much of your day. Thank you for sharing (laughs) with us. Like, honestly, how can other people hijack your day? Like, How can they get in contact with you? Tell us about your retreats. Tell us how we can get more of you. Yeah. So um, right now I'm working one-on-one with people, whether it be for them and their partners or them and their businesses. But I typically try to work with them in a container of a couple of calls where we do a guided uh, session and sometimes they can take their microdoses before. So they're much more open to us digging into their psyche. And then we typically find big blocks that we potentially need to meet together on, on, on a bigger trip, or I just really consult them on their psychedelic journey. I help them figure out what's going to be the right protocols for them, what's going to help them get to the root of what's rotting uh, their life away. We kind of just like work all that out together. And then when it comes to retreats, um, one of the ones that I'm really proud of that we're working on right now is healing the feminine. So it is healing the mother wound and the sister wound, being seen by women, like feeling supported by women, feeling like seen in your primal nature. Like all of these things are so exciting to me because I would have never had that opportunity before. And I love giving it to women. So yeah, it's it's really beautiful because it is just like life. You can pattern together what's perfect for that person. And then you kind of just add the psychedelic aspect of it as a catalyst for deeper, more meaningful change. And um, yeah, it's not anything like crazy. It's not anything outside of what you're typically used to, but it does have this uh, side of it that is a little bit more... Uh, of a, of a shakeup, I would say. It should be called, it's like somatic re-engineering. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's beautiful. That's me giving again. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no trademark on that. So <laughs> there is now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It takes like a freaking six months to do that, but. Elisa and I are perpetually blown away by the type of people that are coming into our lives. So we must be doing something right. So you found us on Instagram. So I really am grateful that you reached out. I think there's bigger and better things in store uh, down the line. I'd love to chat more with you about a few other things if you have some time. But uh, Lisa, any closing thoughts? 
No, you just honestly, it, there's a lot for us to think about to to resonate on the the power of what you've said and how it trickles into all facets of your life. You just brought me like a lot of joy and a lot of clarity today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you guys and helping me share uh, my story and hopefully destigmatizing this beautiful medicine um, a lot more. Couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> so you can find more of Bijou if you're interested on the Mushroom Mama Seed. I have it on the screen right here. This is on Instagram. I'm assuming that's your same Facebook handle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and if you would like to find her on her website, which will direct you to the Mushroom Mama Sita, it's storyxstyle.com. And if you like this show, please drop a comment in the YouTube field or leave us a comment if you have any specific things you'd like to talk about in the future. We're always open to that as well. Bijou, I appreciate your time. It's been a really cool conversation. And we went down a variety of different rabbit holes that opened us up for a bunch of other conversations. So thank yeah. you. Appreciate you thank being here. Thank you guys.